Joining me in studio today is Frank Mickadite from the Orange County Register and uh, R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. Frank's been at the Register now 22 years. He's covered uh, regular news reporting. He's been a political and government editor, and he's been the page two columnist in the local section for the last, oh, what, three, four, five years? Four years. Four years. And R. Scott Moxley, he is the the premier uh, investigative reporter over at the OC Weekly. He's been over there for 14 years. Scott, welcome. Thank you. And Frank, welcome. Thanks. How are you guys doing today? Okay, doing recovering great. still. Yeah, recovering. That's like, uh, <laughs> that's an understatement from the last, what has it been, three, four, three months? Was it three Started months? Started in late October. All right, so uh, the focus of today for our listeners is to kind of talk about uh, the verdict itself, uh, how the media played into um, kind of the rise and fall of Mike Corona, if you will, and just general thoughts from both uh, Frank and Scott on the trial itself, because they really spent a lot of time covering this. Um, one of the first questions, and I'll throw this out here to Frank, is what are your thoughts on the verdict itself, Frank? Was it right? Was it wrong? Are you indifferent to it? What, what's your feeling? Well, as I wrote, I, I thought... Just based on what I know, because I just talked to three, three uh, jurors, um, I thought they took the uh, they took the jury instructions very seriously and and parsed it the way a defense attorney would want them to parse it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Perhaps it's right. I I, I will. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so they came out with the, the verdict they felt they could. I I. I guess I, I feel like uh, one sense of justice is somewhat offended because I think everybody, including the jurors, knew that he had done these things. Um, but the system apparently said they couldn't uh, uh, go back further than they than they were able to. And, and there, there was a statute of limitations, correct? They the yeah, said they couldn't so go. To speak. Yeah, it's very complicated, but yeah. Uh, essentially, they couldn't go past the five-year point. Scott, what what were your thoughts on it? Well, let me just comment on that. In in terms of uh, jury instructions, are uh, you know a mess in every case, in every trial, and the jury can uh, make of them what they want. And I think that um, I, I think it boils down to something else. I mean, a lot of the jurors came out and then they com they uh, complained about the jury instructions and this and that and this other thing. And I think that the element that wasn't uh, that they didn't even want to talk about, even if I brought it up to them, was the power of Mike Corona, kind of the Orange County celebrity, the the former sheriff, the most powerful politician, the most powerful bureaucrat in Orange County. I think it's that that person in that job, even perhaps with this new sheriff, whoever it is, um, has a tremendous amount of power with the jury. And the defense started the case in their opening. Uh, Describing him as this heroic figure who saves little girl or, or attempted to save a little girl who was kidnapped and murdered and is protecting us from terrorists and all that, this sort of thing. And that was kind of the gamble, um, I think, for, for both sides. The prosecutors focused more on the evidence and the defense guys uh, focused, I think, more on, well, everybody talking uh, about Corona are liars and he's a great guy. And that's what they emphasize. He's a great guy. He's a he's a cop. He's protecting you. And um, I think that's the the uh, as I write in this week's issue, um, my perception is that it's remarkable in that he got one conviction from an Orange County jury based on my years of covering Orange County courts and never having witnessed a police officer, a deputy convicted of a, of a crime by a jury in Orange County ever. And I've, I've gone to veteran uh, prosecutors uh, in the courthouse and asked them, can you recall? And the, their minds will churn and they'll go, yeah, there was that kid. No, he pled guilty. Oh, no, no, that one. No, he, they, they let him off. And we had the case of the, uh, the Irvine police officer who right. turned Park. his GPS unit off in his car, tailed a woman home out of his jurisdiction. He didn't make it all the way to her house, but he pulled her over in, in Laguna Beach, middle of the night on the side of a road on trumped up charges, masturbated in front of her and ejaculated. The DNA was uh, recovered from her. Um, and the jury, I covered the trial, the jury let the guy walk. So we're in a setting, I think, where um, it's... Uh, 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 Police officers have a special; uh, they're given some sort of gift uh, from from juries here. So, is what you're what, saying what, that you think the the jury split the verdict because 
of the power of Corona? Yeah, I think from what I've heard, uh, there's some of the jurors just weren't locked in that he wasn't guilty. There was a there was a there were a couple there were a few of them that thought he was guilty that we've we've both talked to. Then there was a middle group that were I think uh, both both ends of the spectrum were playing. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've heard um, and I and I think you know I'm willing to say I'll read into it. I think that the ones who were adamant that he wasn't guilty of anything, I think bought in to here was a heroic guy and what the defense sold. Uh, whether it was Brian Sun in the opening or the other defense lawyer saying, um, "This, you know, this guy's a hero. This guy's done all these things did, for the community." Did any of the jurors address either one of you about the six-six split on the final count that they actually did convict on, and what that tipping point was for them to actually go twelve-twelve on that? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. And and to be honest with you, um, I found a lot of, of, of the ones who, who talked, I, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. It was like they saw a different trial. I agree Did, with that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Why, why yeah. Frank? Why? I, they didn't focus on the things that I thought were issues at, at hand. And uh, I'm hard-pressed right now to come up with a good example, but maybe Scott can. But But... There were 12 individuals. I, I guess I went into the post-trial, post-verdict interviews thinking that um, I would talk to, if I talked to one juror, that juror would represent the whole and that they were all of one mind. And then that quickly uh, became, uh, it was evident that wasn't the case. And so there, there are 12 different stories there about what happened. Although I would say that Scott is correct in roughly dividing them among those people. Uh, those types of people, I, um, I guess I, I wonder if, if, I wonder whether or not, I wonder why some of the jurors who were so adamant about um, that he was guilty simply didn't hang, simply didn't say, okay, well, then we're going to hang on these counts, um, and uh, and come back with a hung jury. Maybe they felt like. They weren't doing their service if they didn't come to a, a unanimous conclusion on every one of those verdicts. I don't know. Well, what they, we do know uh, Christine Hanley at the LA Times uh, today has a story um, that kind of uh, uh, lets us know a little bit more about the, what happened in the in the uh, in the deliberations. And in answer to what you're you're tossing out here, it seems to me, based on what she's reported, that um, the two wings. Uh, of it, of decided to agree there at the end to have that. You know, neither side was happy in, in that way. But the, the the one there was a juror named uh, the, a juror number three, right. uh, an elderly Hispanic, I believe Hispanic man, uh, with uh, I, my, I nicknamed him Thurgood Marshall because he had big <laughs> jowls and uh, and, uh, and <laughs> whites or silver hair and. Uh, uh, he was the government's. He was the most supportive that Corona was guilty on everything. There were a few others as well. He, the notes that he sent to the judge that we just learned about yesterday. Oh, that he thought he, he was threatened. Chance. That he thought he was right. threatened. Right. Um, um, his descriptions, from what I understand, about going in that there were certain jur- jurors that, uh, well, I know from observing them, some of them were sleeping during the trial. Um, yeah. At at. At, and Frank knows this because we sat next to each other and we would n- nudge each other at, at certain times when it happened. Um, there were jurors who slept through the case, and more than one, uh, through important sections of, of the trial for the government. There were jurors who didn't take a note ever. I never saw a pen or notepad uh, in their hands. Now, that's an that's a, a interesting thing when you go two months with how, how many witnesses? 60 almost. Six, almost 60 witnesses, no notes, and, no, and, and then add the sleep. Uh, sleeping and napping during part of the trial. Um, from this juror number three, the Hispanic man who was the holdout for gu- guilty on all counts, he said he was disturbed because he also saw his fellow juror sleeping and not taking notes. And, ca- and they, his description was that some of those came alive in deliberations immediately and said, I'm not going to vote him guilty on anything. Um, so that's why I, I made my first point is because I think to get to have that – um, frame of mind, you had to lock in on Corona as a sympathetic character. 
and I don't think you can separate the uniform from him. Wait, what do you what do you think about that as as Corona as a sympathetic character, Frank? Uh, well, that that's where I disagree with Scott. I I I just don't think that he engendered sympathy from any of them. But again, there are twelve individuals, and I didn't interview each one. I don't know that each one has been interviewed by all the collective media that was covering that trial. Some have just disappeared, like Juror 3, for example. Right. Has anybody interviewed Juror 3? Not that I know it would, that, that would be uh, very interesting. I mean, after after you talked to Juror 3, we'd ha- if someone were able to, you might have a, a much greater understanding. Now, the judge talked to Juror 3, apparently, right. and um, there are going to be transcripts uh, that will be released at some point in the not-too-distant future uh, of those conversations, which occurred in chambers but were on the record. And uh, maybe we'll learn a little bit more. Um, you've got to believe that the judge was weighing all this and 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 uh, and trying to determine whether or not uh, there was juror misconduct. Uh, about the guy saying that people were sleeping, it's interesting. the The guy <laughs> that I saw sleeping sat directly behind or almost directly behind juror number three so i don't know how he saw him because there was someone else asleep as well on his row that's right Mm -hmm. yeah you uh you're right the one that i who i refer to in the in this week's issue of oc weekly is sam drucker the character from uh may uh from uh, green acres Uh, and petticoat junction and petticoat junction right um yeah he was definitely asleep through huge portions of of the important Part of the case. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Cameron Jackson, your faithful host. Uh, I'm speaking today with R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly and Frank Mickadite, the page two columnist uh, of the or- uh, Orange County Register. Um, we're talking about the corona verdict, uh, if you can't figure that out yet. Um, Frank, let's move on here to, to my next kind of big question is, what do you think this verdict means for Orange County and the Republican Party? Um, what kind of future do you see now for Mike Corona here in Orange County, if any at all? Boy, I I, I, mean, cause I, he, I see no... Unless he pulls like a Chuck Colson or... Uh, that Well, that would require prison time. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. which, which could happen. I'm, I'm willing to go that route <laughs> and, for uh, him. Unless he pulls a Chuck Colson kind of act, I don't see any public... Um, role for him in Orange County. I don't think the, the public will will believe him or embrace him. And even with the Chuck Colson uh, mea culpas, you've got to come out and say you really did what um, you were accused of doing. And he's never come that far. You know, he's, he's, he or his attorneys are willing to say mistakes were made. Um, but, he's, but he's not willing to say that, you know, he was part of this uh, overall conspiracy in which he took uh, money from uh, third parties. Do you think that the Republican Party has been damaged by this in Orange County? Damaged. I I mean, it, it's got a black eye over this. So so do a lot of entities or several entities in Orange County, the media among them. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember so clearly when uh, Corona ran and how um, some some of Orange County's uh, Republican leadership said they had anointed the guy, they believed in the guy, they believed in the guy right up through the his uh, third run for office when 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 all this was staring him down and, and we knew a lot of this and um, and they just they just uh, you know circled the wagons and stuck by him and very few uh, were willing to speak out against him and um, so I think the credibility I think that. If I was naive um, as a reporter, a journalist in those days, it was that I thought that these these people uh, whose judgment I trusted knew what they were talking about when when they said Corona's a good guy and um, that he would be good for the county. And and now I just I don't think they know any more and probably less than I do about someone's character. What's well, it? It's an it's a. Um Corona is a uh, an example of what we get in any any city, any location that um, not just one party controls the county or the city, but it just a small group, an incredibly small group of people, are the gateway to the key offices. That's true. The party, yeah, there there are definite 
uh, factions within the Republican Party. Um, there's a strong Democratic Party uh, leadership behind uh, Wiley Aiken and, and uh, Loretta Sanchez up in that part of the county. And the, the Republican Party, though, it has different factions. There are people in the Republican Party who won't even speak to each other, who, who are at cross-purposes over personal or philosophical differences. But every once in a while, certain factions come together, certain key players come together and decide that, that um, collectively that this, this is gonna, such and such is going to be a good thing. That's what happened with my corona. And um, so to, in terms of running the county, there are these gatekeepers. You have, if you want to be, uh, if you want to hold public office in Orange County, even at the level of the school board or water board, and you are a Republican uh, um, member of the party who's uh, uh, in good standing and, and well-known, and you get and you get the blessing of the party that goes that goes a big way even at that level and that's the and that's the building block for for moving up the ladder and you know i know we've all been in orange county for some time you two longer than me of course i'm from san diego originally is is orange county unique in that way or is that or is that something that just is the same way anywhere you go where it's a select group of individuals that are making key decisions on our elected officials, and that's how we get stuck with somebody like Mike Corona. The only other place I've I've ever done any extensive reporting is San Diego County, and and there were those there was that there. I don't I I can't assume it's any different anywhere else. Probably worse other places. Well, you were in Washington for some time. Did you see? Well, I mean, it's another city controlled by one party. And we had a, a mayor there that was snorting cocaine in, in hotel rooms. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, I think focusing on Corona, here's the importance, I think, for the public. Um, when you have a guy that comes out of, the, out of that political structure, like Orange County, um, you, we got to pray that those 5, 10, 20 people who are dominating that decision have understand the character of the person. And particularly for sheriff, my God, $800 million a year budget, 4,000 employees, spy equipment galore, the, and controlling uh, the sheriff's department, controlling the coroner's office, uh, airport, uh, police having a contract contracts in, in multiple cities. This is the most powerful person. And when you have someone who has incredibly twisted ideas in his head, I'm not saying Mike Corona is is uh, a devil running around, and it, and certainly his personality, the charm that he has, he's used to get him where he is. Because we certainly found out everything he ran on that all of us wanted to believe in 1998, even yep. myself, that he was a would be a great, efficient manager, that he was honest and and uh, as he promised me immediately in two, two, in uh, April or March or April of '99, my first interview with him. I hit him on the point of who are you surrounding yourself with and who are you taking money from? And I was direct with him. And he offered me helicopter rides in lieu of of giving me access to the records. <laughs> and I wrote that at the time. It was outrageous. Who cares about a helicopter ride? Um, so my, my Annie was hitting on one of your colleagues. And if I Rebecca, recall. Rebecca, and, which Rebecca, she reported right she, in the right in the, and, and it and that's okay. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, yeah. Maybe because it was Rebecca and and her column was always out there anyway. We're talking about Commie Girl. Yeah, was that? Con I was going to ask, is that Commie Girl? Um, Rebecca Schoenkopf. And maybe it, <laughs> it was, I, I don't know, it just went right over uh, the rest of the media for the most part. And maybe they didn't believe her and, and or Corona was able to say, well, that's not what I really meant when I said I'll be your boyfriend. And, um, but boy... Looking back on it now, that was probably five years ago or something like that. Doesn't it ring true? You know. Uh, anyway, I, I didn't mean to. No, uh, no. You know, Scott's train of thought here. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm talking with uh, R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly and Frank Mickadite from the OC Register. We're talking about the Corona verdict and what it means for the County of Orange, uh, for the media in particular. And I think that's a great segue for my next question, which is how responsible. Was the media for Corona's failure as a public servant? Was the media asleep at the wheel? Well, as someone who spends some of his column uh, analyzing what the media does in Orange County, and, and Scott does the same thing, um, 
at first I was pretty critical of what the media had done because I, I had this faulty memory that we really hadn't done much. But if you go back and look, um, every major paper that covered the county, the Weekly, the Times, and the Register, did some form of reporting at which they exposed some of these things, whether it was Don Heidel's career track record, which we wrote a lot about. Uh, Scott, of course, was writing a lot about Corona himself. The Times was was writing about different characters. Everybody was writing about hard the reserve, Neo. They focused the on reserves, the reserves. Yeah, the time, mm-hmm. Hanley at the Times did a lot of stuff on the reserves and other reporters there. So this was being reported. We don't have subpoena powers. We don't have, uh, certainly don't have prosecutorial powers. So we did pretty much, uh, we did some good groundwork. But every every one of those stories, I think, was met with this resistance from from the establishment. Um, they didn't want to go there. They didn't want to believe. They didn't want to look too hard at it. And um, so I think when some of the reporters who did some of this really good early work, like Bill Rams, when they um, came back with more and more um, story ideas and threads of stories, I think there was probably it was it was somewhat mor- morale sapping that that there wasn't uh, a greater response either from within the newspapers, uh, within the media themselves, and their superiors, and and from the county at large. I mean, Corona was was almost untouchable, and it took uh, it finally took a um, uh, a federal indictment to to bring this out. Scott, well. I would agree with most of what you said there uh, in, in, a, in a general sense, but I, I look at it a little – here's what I would say. Um, in the early days, uh, all of us in the media looking at Corona at the time, um, we weren't sure what we were dealing with, and we looked at certain aspects, and, and we wrote stories about him and money and his characters. Uh, and, uh, and then there came a point in 2002 – so 99 to 2002, um, the media was watching him, really wasn't doing too much uh, investigation into him, but we were, we were watching him. 2002 hit, and Samantha Runyon, the, the kidnap, rape, and murder of a little girl. Right. And everyone left Corona except for moi. <laughs> everyone. And you go back and look. I wrote the first, I wrote the only critical article, article column about Corona's uh, use of that little girl's tragedy, tragedy for his own right. political, he he immediately put out uh, f- uh, feelers to run against Barbara Boxer for Senate based on that. We now know from the trial he took a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar illegal contribution from a former Florida narcotics trafficker, Hank Asher, and who we publicly thanked, I believe, during his press that's, conference. Did you catch that's that? Right. <laughs> God, <laughs> that you. was that's just a, astounding. So, uh, to be yeah, fair, the yeah. Asher hasn't Asher turned over, turned to the good side. He's uh, wow. now cooperating with the government. But anyway, he's I mean, a, the, he's a government contractor, so he's going to be nice to them now. Yeah. All right, but, finish that. But no, but my, my my point is this: I I, I think it I think it's important because uh, from 2002 to a certain point up to the grand jury indictment, I was alone. Yeah, I, I and, would say that's true. Scott and, was largely alone. And I had Corona making comments to me that I was alone and, and, and bragging that not even the FBI was looking at him because he had some relationship with some guy in L.A. that headed the office out here and stuff. So there was a period where, from my perspective, I thought it was even more important for me to focus on him and his character or lack thereof if, if nobody else was going to do it. Because... The more that I looked at him, and the you can't ever escape this. And the government said this in the trial. Corona's defense, outside of wrapping himself in his old uniform that he soiled with the Russian prostitute, by the way, <laughs> uh, he, instead of in addition to wrapping himself in that uniform, he also. Uh, it, well, go ahead. No, I. I, 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 I'm I waiting for more on the there. Russian process. Well, yeah, I know. That's, I, kinda, that's, I, that's no, go ahead. tantalizing. Which, which was only mentioned in passing, I think, during the trial, uh, if at all. I mean, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned it point. a little bit. But uh, I don't know. Where, where yeah, are we well, at? you know, I, and I guess the, one of the things that fascinates me is because you're right, Frank. There are there were stories in the media over the years about little things here and there coming out, coming out. 
But why didn't the public respond? It was very close. I mean, the the race in uh, 2006 between Bill Hunt and... Corona, 1%. it was it was very close. One percent, uh, almost to a runner. and he almost uh, he almost didn't get his own party's endorsement. That came down to a one vote swing on the second go round. Yes, uh, before the 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 Central Committee of the Republican Party. So, you but know, what does it say about the public the overall? Was though? Starting, I, I well, mean, it says that it, they don't they don't pay super attention, super close attention to to these kinds of things. That Corona had tremendous name ID. And, you know, what happened, you know, the the people who put Corona in power were at one point, obviously, more powerful than Corona. Then, you know, as soon as he got elected, and especially after Samantha Runyon, he became more powerful than them. So rather than um, he being afraid of them, they were afraid to take him on, I think. Um, every time, uh, well, not every time, but I know for a fact that at, at my newspaper, when um, we had reporters that were looking critically at, at uh, Corona, if uh, we ever wrote or even started to investigate Corona critically, he he was he or Jaramillo were on the phone to senior editors there complaining about it, and he was just, you know, and as a, as an editor at the time, even though he didn't he never complained to me personally, I know that. Um, when the sitting sheriff of Orange County comes to you with with all the the uh, grandeur of his office and that winning personality and and um, and he says, "Look, your reporter is getting this absolutely wrong. He is absolutely where is the proof? Where is the proof? Where is the proof?" Um, that makes there. I think there's a chilling effect, and I think that permeated the Republican Party, the the media, except uh, in Scott's uh, case, and um, I you know. And obviously the electorate. Scott, let me, yeah, I, let me go back to this last point I, w- I was making. The the the, the prosecutor. I thought this this is undeniable. Uh, one of his defenses was that uh, you can't trust the government's key witnesses against him or or whatever. Uh, George Harmeo, Don Heidel, and yet and they called them liars. They I, uh, Satan, evil. I mean, right. the descriptions of the two men he named as assistant sheriffs were incredible. Now the government pointed out. As the defense was yelling, you can't trust these guys. The government witnesses are terrible. Well, the government goes, we didn't choose them. He did. Mike Corona surrounded himself with guys who are now also felons like him, who he describes as incredible liars. Now, we all know, or any uh, any of us working um, around Heidel or Jaramillo or or, or Corona, doesn't take long to figure out. uh, If you're asking questions, something's wrong. Because they're all three in, in varying degrees. I mean, Don Heidel is this character out of some Western, you know, that if, if you know, you, you, he's waiting to draw on you in the middle of the street. Uh, and, and George is, is, um, is angling for your wallet, you know, and there's Mike, there's Mike Corona that's looking at your sister, your mother, your wife, uh, grandmother, <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to go anybody underage, but, you know, so you've got these three characters and they're, they're, it's a mess. And you know it from – I really learned it during the Heidel gang rape case because I, I started focusing on coming in through uh, that case and then looking um, at the characters involved in this scenario. And it's one of these things where you're going, oh, my God, look at these people. And these three are sitting in a room for five or six years with $800 million a year and badges and guns and all this power. It's amazing that we're at this point that he's not sheriff any longer and he faces, he's a convicted felon, he faces prison. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it took uh, eight years or more than eight years, but, you know, we're at the place we, you know, perhaps should have been the start. Um, You know, what struck me from the, what always struck me about the biggest misstep, the thing that that, uh, was incongruent about how smart Corona seemed to be and how politically sophisticated his operation was supposed to be was this badges thing and i can remember thinking back then this the the badges for money thing that's the oldest law enforcement dodge there is i mean that if <laughs> that ha- that has happened uh that has brought down all sorts of law enforcement people corona can't really be doing that because it's so stupid but as we found out with his, with Nasser, we will never doubt you again. So uh, 
I, that picture is actually in your article this week, right. which I like that. I'm glad you put that in there because I didn't get to see it. Um, you know, it was funny. Uh, and let's talk about Mike Corona as kind of this uh, grandiose, seducing figure. Uh, and it, the media at large seemed to me to be seduced by him. And when I was here at UCI taking classes, I took a media class with um, uh, Lobdale, uh, over, Lobdell, right. Yeah, Bill Lobdell. Lobdell from the LA Times. And one of the speakers that he had come in was Will Swain, the old editor at uh, OC Weekly. And one of the things that Will said to me that I thought was so uh, important in this business was, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. And it seems in, in large respect, with Corona, we let the man seduce us, uh, and we didn't watch what he was doing. Do you think that they're in the future? Well, do you think that that was the case with Corona? And do you think in the future we're going to try and mitigate that for future politicians in that same kind of, uh, or is that just something that's destined to kind of repeat itself? Well, I, I yeah, I, I think for for the, I think the public and the media have a short memory. The um, the reporters who are here here now and we'll be here for another five years are going to be are going to remember this and be pretty vigilant and uh uh and and we're all going to remember this but you know time has a way of uh of uh getting through getting past that and and, um and you know human nature is what it is and and so there'll there'll always be uh corrupt politicians and people trying to get more more for uh more out of the public coffers than, they owe, than they're deserved. Scott? Yeah, I mean, there's Orange County uh, has an endless supply of criminals uh, coming out of politics and, and government. Uh, <laughs> let me look no further than Huntington Peach. I mean, while the FBI is uh, arresting one of their city council members, another one's doing apartments condo scheme or something, it's just a never-ending wheel of uh, corruption in, in places. And uh, it's stunning that, I mean, for a reporter, investigative reporter standpoint, you always know there's going to be the next one. I mean, there's one point where I was like, oh, my God, Bob Dornan's gone from Congress from Orange <laughs> County. What am I going to do? And then, like, somebody else popped up, Larry Agron or, or somebody else. And, and uh, you know, it's you're always stunned at, as a reporter, um, you know, as, as the public goes about their business, do, being an accountant or doctor or whatever, uh, as reporters are out there and we're dealing with all these characters and the public has no idea how – some of them are just disgraceful characters. Yeah, I, they, I, they have no public sense of of duty. Really, they they hide documents. They lie to your face. They're rewarding friends uh, with their with uh, contracts and uh, and then and then turning around right to us in the media and telling us that didn't happen. Uh, the, the other part is okay. There's a huge supply of corruption in Orange County. Reporters are lazy. We True. we are. We're all we're incredibly lazy in it. If somebody calls us up and says, "Oh, you're so good. Oh, you're the best." blah blah blah. We're charmed and you know, we just we move on to the next uh, topic. And Corona, a guy with in, undeniable uh, charm, was able to use that for an extended period of time. Um, the ones who don't have the charm that are roaming around right now, I can think of a few faces right now. Um, you know, their only their only saving grace is that there's only so many FBI agents uh, in Orange County, and uh, there's only a few of us in the media that. Yeah, the media is getting smaller. That's the right. media is getting smaller. Uh, yeah, you know, part of my professional persona, for better or for worse, is I give people the benefit of the doubt, probably far longer than than they deserve, and uh, that's served me well in some cases, and it, and it's hurt me in other cases. And so I really do believe that most of our uh, public officials are here for the right reasons and and all, but that said, I have no doubt that somewhere in one of our thirty five city thirty four cities, uh, near the same number, approximately uh, the same number of school districts, special districts, there's there's something going on right now. Somebody's got their hand in the till somewhere. Mm -hmm. Somebody's stooping somebody. Somebody's. Um, har sexually harassing somebody is what I was trying to say. <laughs> somebody is, somebody is. Um, that's a KUCI term. It's okay. okay. So you're not going to beep that. Out? No, I'm not okay. going to. That's perfect. So, uh, <laughs> so there is something. Th this is going on somewhere else. We're a county of three point four, three point five million million people. There are politicians who are out there doing bad things right now. 
Uh, I mean, we had the thing in Brea just blew up. You know, while all this was going on, we had a we had a corrupt public official in Brea. You know, um, and the ones at Huntington Beach. And I don't want the thing. Part of the part of it with me is I don't want to believe it's true. You know, um, we've had judges who have who have been admonished. You know, or removed from office in one case. Kelly Eckern, first one. McEckern. Yeah, or McEckern. Thank you. Um, and you know, I many of these cases in case of Kelly, I like Kelly, you know, and and I hate to see that happen. Um, so it takes different types of media. You wouldn't want a bunch of Frank Mickenites running around. You need a few. You want a bunch of of, of Moxleys and and Tony Savadras and Bill Rams and Christine Hanleys. I mean, but our numbers are are uh, are diminishing. And that's a huge danger to democracy. If you're just joining us, you listen to the OC, OC show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Cameron Jackson. I've been talking with Frank Mickadite from the Orange County Register and R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. We're talking about the corona trial and what it means to Orange County and the media in general. Let's take a quick break, gentlemen, and when we come back, I'll ask you a couple more little questions, and then we'll be on our way. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. That's the OC show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm joined today by Frank Mickadite from the Orange County Register. You can read his column every day uh, on page two of the local section. And except this week. Except this week, but that's okay. Why sometimes that? sometimes he takes a break. Kicking off? He, he does. It's a little time. It's a little time. He writes every day for okay, crying out loud. Right, give, him right. a quick, give him a hard time. And uh, also joining me is R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly. He is the OC Weekly's premier investigative reporter over there. Both gentlemen have been kind enough to come in studio today to talk about the corona trial. Um you know, one of the questions Scott brought up during the break that I think I'd like to ask both of you is, in your mind, what is it that he did? What was so bad? Uh, and why does it matter? Uh, Frank? Wow. I mean, where do you start? I mean, he. I think he did violate the public's trust. He did create an atmosphere where um, people could get away with things that do have... Um, injurious impact on on individuals who knows if we had had just for example if we had not had this corrupt administration who knows whether or not there would have been a chamberlain incident in the jail you can't link it directly but it but in that kind of atmosphere you got to ask what happened things we don't know that happened so he he violated the public's trust that to me is the worst thing they did i don't care that 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 um he was sleeping around or that his wife got a watch or that he enriched himself by getting money from from uh, Heidel. It's not that I don't care, but I mean, I don't think those were, that's not the damage it was. The damage was, to me was done was that all those things created this atmosphere in, this, in which we had the top law, law enforcement officer in the county was somebody that um, was violating the public's trust. He was not a trustworthy person. Well, to get specific about it, what he was doing was he was taking uh, gifts and money uh, from uh, an individual or individuals who wanted uh, his to influence the most powerful agency in the county. And whether it was a, from a small thing, booze or dinner, to a hotel room in Tahoe or gambling chips in Las Vegas or whatever, he was uh, – the irony, he, he, was, he was meticulous on, for example, giving uh, – sending a $5 check to Frank's boss for lunch um, and returning items and, and all this. But when it came to Don Heidel, the used car salesman that he made assistant sheriff of Orange County – um, nothing ever showed up on any form, and yet he took what we know from from the evidence in the trial. He took countless private jet flights on Heidel's planes, uh, booze, hotel rooms, uh, the the gambling chips, yep. uh, the the thousand dollar a month uh, cash stuff, hundred dollar bill stuffed in an envelope. Uh, Don Heidel paid Corona's mistress five thousand a month. For an extended period of time, he paid George Jaramillo and and, and Corona's mistress one hundred and ten thousand dollars up front uh, for some that basically was an illegal con campaign contribution. Um, so he he was doing all these activities with individuals and not disclosing them. And, and the the Frank's concern about what it all meant that's the that's why it is so important 
for those forms to be treated with respect and so that we do know uh, who's giving these characters gifts. And then, and so, and then the, as a society, the overall problem with this is that as a democracy, it gives one the impression, if not the reality, that um, there's two there's two sets of ju- systems of justice. There's right. one for the friends of Mike Corona, and there's one for the rest of the people. And what could be really tragic is maybe there's a third set. Uh, there's another one for the enemies of Mike Corona. So uh, it's well, Bill Hunt might argue that there's one exactly right exactly. Right. So. Uh, maybe there were three sets of justice under Corona. That is what is so, so wrong with this. Let's uh, move ahead. Uh, what about sentencing? What, what do you think, Scott, is going to happen with sentencing? Well, um, I think that the judge has to look at this as a serious felony violation and worthy of, of uh, prison time, whether it's a couple months or a year, year and a half, five, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's from what uh, Tom Rosak says of the Justice Department, it, the range is probation to 20 years. It's highly unlikely that it would be at the upper end because apparently he has no criminal record. Now first, first he had said it was, when he first came out, it was zero That's to true. 10. That's right. And both, has he changed both, it? Both you and I wrote that. Uh, yeah. And then I, I found out later he had told all the other reporters, but apparently oh. he, he amended it later that oh, okay. day. But we weren't on the loop on that. But it's nobody thinks he's going to Probation to 20. The, the, the thing about it is he's, the, the uh, now, I think, and I think the judge uh, is going to look at trying to sabotage a federal grand jury by a sitting sheriff uh, is going to look at that as a serious problem. I think also um, this in the in the history of me covering Orange County courts, trials, crimes, when a defendant walks out of a room and he declares himself innocent after he's been uh, convicted, judges hate that. And where's the remorse? Where's remorse the remorse? Can be and a fact, that is, and can be a factor in the factor. sentencing guidelines. What can't be, according yesterday in, in the hearing uh, in, in uh, the judge's 10th floor courtroom at the Reagan building in Santa Ana, he said there's a rule, rule 606B. I'd never heard it before, but he said he that limited the impact that the juror statements in explanation to him and to us in the media limits the importance of it. So the fact that, let's say, 60% of the jurors, hypothetically, think that he is guilty, that he did take the bribes, he's not really going to pay that much attention to, according to 606B. Um, if, if he did, obviously, that's not going to help Corona at all. But going out of the courthouse, this is, mm-hmm. and this is such a beautiful Corona moment, as I write about in my story. Here's a guy who takes, I mean, he's, he's gone from the top cop in Orange County, this, the second largest police agency in California, to a convicted felon. And he's high-fiving people, literally high-fiving his, his fan base and, and thanking God and, and, t- and, and claiming, claiming, was that, claiming that God was, was uh, controlling the jurors at it because he's such a great guy and he's innocent. Um, and to say, and, and also to declare, he's beyond vindicated. Really? Anyone who sat through the trial knows him, his reputation... It was completely annihilated. Wouldn't you agree, Frank? Oh, his everything about him, uh, how how deceitful, how uh, what a what a crappy sheriff he was, or a crappy human being, what a crappy father, husband, everything about this guy. Well, every time you're looking in in the with the witnesses and the evidence, he's on a jet plane somewhere. He's thinking about going to a F pad with his mistress. That's his word on the tapes. He's he's uh, dealing with Corona or Haramia. I mean, uh, uh, Heidel or Haramia or these other characters. All of them, all his inner circle, are now convicted felons. Remarkably, um, where was the time to do anything for the citizens of Orange County? And um, I think what was most uh, like the final nail in the coffin was pre pre-trial and that was everybody kept saying well okay he cheats on his wife and that sort of thing but it really doesn't matter because at least he was a good manager of the sheriff's department and then we get the the, the jail report about what the deputies are doing in there they're sleeping right. reading watching tv coloring conducting businesses or whatever whatever the hell they're beating up people they uh he had no management skills whatsoever the whole place was a, a nightmare and uh i you know my i, I say this because I, I i happened to when he was sheriff and it was just myself uh kind of pointing out there was a problem here he's got a goon squad over there 
and he promoted all those goons up right. into upper management, and they're still seven. there. Those are goons they? are still in power over there at upper mid level. They hate when I, they've told me they hate when I call them goons, but it's true. They're they're goons. They're they have no business. Um, it, look, it's not difficult to ask a police officer, particularly in this time frame, with the money they make, two hundred and some thousand dollars a year. A lot of them, as the register's shown, with incredible benefits, being able to retire at age fifty. Can you have a little bit of public spirit, mindedness, openness? You know, uh, when a reporter comes along, we're not really the enemy. But if we get the sense that you're a crooked cop, any decent member of the media is going to go, whoa, that's bad because that's going to play out in the in the field, in court, yeah. in every other way, as it has with corona. Well, it's no different than um, a good cop is, is you a good cop can be your friend as long as you don't do something illegal. If a cop sees you doing something illegal, um, he can let you. He's got some discretion, but he needs to take action, uh, commensurate with 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 what he sees you do wrong. Either give you a warning, or cite you, or arrest you. It's the same with journalists. We we can work with cops and cover their department and still be uh, professional and cordial and not out to get them. If we see them doing something wrong, though, we have to take some action. You know, we have to write about it. Absolutely, we have to expose it. And they don't they don't get that that we have. We have a counterbalancing role in society. A lot of cops don't get that. Um, I wanted to say that um, on the sentencing stuff. Yeah, which is what I wanted to get to. Thank um, you. I think that while Guilford can't, and, and I, don't, I think it's right, he shouldn't take into account the, the I think the law is right about that. Um, he can't take into account the jurors' comments. What he can do to some extent is take into account the things that he was acquitted of, the actions that, not in the sense that, in and of themselves, but to the extent that they furthered or con rather contributed to the one thing that he was convicted of. So, and that's open. That's open to to discussion. My prediction. I'm just going to throw out a number here, and you can hold me to it. I think, um, assuming that this last count does not get um, uh, tossed, um, and I think he's going to get somewhere in the order of. 28 months. Wow, really? You think so? Much? Now, do you think do you think that the judge is going to let him stay out on appeal or do you think he'll put him in pending his appeal? That's going to depend I I don't know. That's going to depend on the judge has to weigh how likely does he think um that uh it will that the appeal will be successful. He if he thinks it's highly likely or there's a significant uh chance that it'll be um overturned on appeal. Then, I, then I think he will let him uh, let him out pending appeal. Uh, we only have a few more minutes here. I wanted to get to this too. What's going to happen with Deborah Hoffman and Debbie Corona now? Or can their case go forward as well, is? Well, Scott can talk to that. What happened at the status conference? Well, they uh, everything yesterday was delayed. Um, there was supposed to be a status conference yesterday, and uh, through whatever the law all the lawyers on all the sides uh, agreed to delay everything. Uh, in fact, it sounded to me basically, though, that that deals might be worked out, uh, whether a case would be dropped in, in some sort of plea. It, it's it, what one of the prosecutors said to the judge. It sounded like that might be in the works. OK, so we might not see them in trial. True. All right. And um, I guess, you, you know, there's we've gone over a lot here today. If you're just joining us, uh, this is the OC Show. I'm Cameron Jackson. I've been talking with R. Scott Moxley from the OC Weekly and Frank McAdite, who's from the Orange County Register. Um, oh, yeah. Let, let's talk real quick before we close the best trial moment. Uh, Frank, what was your best trial moment? I think the most dramatic moment was when Lisa Jaramillo broke down on the stand as she was describing the affairs that she knew about that Corona was involved in. And uh, how she, uh, total out, totally outside of the protocol of the courtroom, um, spoke right to Debbie Corona, who was sitting in the front row of the gallery, and, uh, and and was crying and said, "I wish I had been a better friend, or I should have been a better friend to you." And um, and it was it was a pretty dramatic moment. You know, everybody had to kind of stop and and um, so I would say that Scott. I would say uh, the Gabby Nasser uh, testimony. He uh, uh, he relayed to the jury how uh, he made a hundred dollar bet with uh, Corona and Jaramillo that 
Um, if he was given five real sheriff's badges, he could raise the sheriff $25,000. And they thought he was, he, there's no way he could do it. And, uh, he, and you know, the lawyers going through in the testimony and then uh, Nasser produces the photograph of them, of him holding the $100 bill. And both Corona and Harmia are on the side. And we actually carry the, the photograph in the paper today in OC Weekly. And uh, it's just one of those things where, you, you, you know, when you see it, you're like, wow. What a! That's how low it got. Yeah. Trading, you, you got to think about how hard the, many of those deputies worked. All the those real deputies worked to get that badge, and he's forking it over a hundred dollar bet and twenty five thousand in illegal contributions. But that's a that's a remarkable moment to me. That having covered Corona all those years, it's it just puts the the cap on it. All right, we got about a minute left, um, Scott. Anything coming up? Do you have any idea? I've always said on the show, uh, who's who paid for his defense? Uh, I, I don't believe for a second that Jones Day gave it to him for free. Quick thoughts on, on what you think on that. I think it was uh, one of two individuals, if not both, in some in some way. Hank Asher, the uh, narcotics trafficker, ex-narcotics tra- trafficker from Florida, um, who be- he became very tight with, and the person who gave the $250,000 legal contribution to him. And or David Gelbaum, the Newport Beach uh, multimillionaire, uh, that he also befriended and accepted um, apparently a couple million dollars uh, in his in his micro Microna Foundation. One of those two um, funded it because Jones Day had I counted at times nine lawyers, not just assistants, nine lawyers in the courtroom, and then they had uh, private detectives going in and out. And I mean, they 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 contributed quite a oh, quite I think, a chunk. I think the um I think the defense probably cost upwards of two million bucks. I mean, I, and I don't know the answer to who 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 funded it. It is interesting that at uh, at his victory miracle press conference, he he thank he took time to thank Hank Asher. Um, I don't know why exactly. I mean, Hank Asher is one of the reasons he got indicted, you know. But uh, Corona took the time to thank him profusely, uh, as well as the managing partner of Jones Day. Hmm. Potentially there's something there. And real quick, Frank, uh, we've got a, a trial coming up that involves Tony Rakakis and one of the people, a couple of people that were uh, witnesses in the Corona trial. People can read about that in your column. Is that correct? It's online, and I'll be covering the, that trial as it comes up. It involves uh, a Gabby Nasser of the badges and a badge program that Tony Rakakis had briefly. And this is not a criminal trial. It's a civil trial, a for uh, alleged uh, federal civil rights violations, and and I'm uh, I'm not willing to say Tony Rakakis has done anything nearly what uh, Mike Crone is accused of doing. It, but it'll be interesting to see this play out in uh, in the court in the civil trial. Well, Frank and Scott, I want to thank you both so much for coming in the studio today. It's been uh, enlightening, eye-opening as always, and I really do appreciate all that you did uh, during the trial. I know it's a lot of hard work to cover a trial day in and day out. Um, but uh, I appreciate it, and I'm sure the rest of the citizens appreciate it, being able to read uh, your thoughts on that stuff. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.